Well, here we are. Only this time, I am not alone. I've got a guest and I cannot wait for you to meet them. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being here for another casual conversation of the Market Your Biz Better podcast. This one is something and someone that you are going to want to stick around for. I am so excited to be bringing to your earbuds a longtime friend of mine. He goes by Ed now, but he was once Eddie when I knew him. Ed Nathanson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Deb, or should I say Debbie, as I knew you. <laughs> yes, I know, right? So I'm excited to have you here. I know I've been following your journey um, over the last probably five years when you made a big transition. I'm going to let you get into that in a minute, but I want to talk a for a moment about why I wanted you as a guest. And what I love about one of the things that I've noticed about your marketing, Ed, is that you are so authentic. Like you are yourself. You show me a little bit about your business. You show me a little bit about your family. You show your audience a little bit about what's happening behind the scenes and what it takes to begin to work with new clients. Has it always been that easy for you to get out in front of people online? Um, you know what? I was a little reticent at first about being so open and so honest. I mean, we all care whether we want to admit it or not about how we're perceived. Right. But honestly, I, I took a step back before I started to really go down this journey, even before this, you know, starting my business. And I thought about all the people that I admired and the ones that I admired, frankly, didn't give a shit what people right. thought about me. And so for me, I kind of took that as a cue and said, you know what? Love me or hate me. Here's me. And it's actually worked out really well. And it's actually been able to translate to what I do for my businesses, my clients as well. Yeah, I would say that... Um I always share with my audience, like there are thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people that are quote unquote, like you, like have your title, but there's only one you. And at the end of the day, if you and your competitor stay next to each other and I connect with you in a way that is far beyond your business, I'm going to select you to work with nine times out of 10, maybe 99% of the time over your competitor because I'm connecting with you differently. And I love that about you. Yeah. You know what's, you know, what's funny, Deb, real quick, you know, um, just on that vein, like I write business blogs, you know, I'll do business related, you know, content. I write for LinkedIn, you know, on their blog, but one of the most popular blogs I've ever written that's actually resulted in CEOs finding me and VPs marketing's finding me for potential clients was a post I wrote about summer camp four huh. years ago. And it's just that relatability. I always get like, oh, I had the same experience at my camp or man, I just dropped my kids off. It's, 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 the, it's the internet icebreaker for lack of a better term. And that kind of lack of, I don't know you goes away very, very quickly. Well, and we'll just let everybody know that you and I have known each other from summer camp. So yeah, since we were eight years old. I know, but we're not going to tell anybody how old we are now. Okay. No, 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 no. Long time, long, long time. So tell us about you and your business, Red Pill Talent. Yeah. So I grew up not in the, in the marketing space that a lot of your clients probably did. I actually yep. grew up as a recruiter and then running HR and recruiting at companies as big as Kronos, you know, multinational, yeah. billion dollars. To startups, I was with Constant Contact when they were 30 people in a basement in Wellesley called oh Rover Software at the time. 
to a number of different tech companies and even a stint at Duncan Corporate many years ago. Wow. Well, about, ooh, got about eight years ago, I got to a company called Rapid7. And Rapid7 at the time was a 100-person software startup, security startup in Boston in the Prudential Tower. And they needed to hire fast. And so that's where I started to get the marketing bug. And they let me do a lot of things that, quite frankly, I would have been fired for if I even suggested at other companies. But it worked. It embraced their quirkiness, their attitude. And it really got people finding them, you know, to be an attractive employer. And then I saw the power of, of really strong branding and strong marketing. And it helped us grow by 400 people in two years. And when that happened... I got the opportunity and was recognized by LinkedIn to keynote their annual conference in Las Vegas. And it was in front of thousands of people, I think 5,000 people in the audience. And while terrifying, that speech allowed me to, you know, really build my own personal brand beyond what I was, the work I'd been doing. And it led me to say, you know what, I want to do this for lots of companies. So I started a company called Red Pill Talent. As Deb, you know, but your listeners don't. I'm a massive dork and I wear it loud and proud. It's a reference to the movie, The Matrix. Mm -hmm. red pill choice and most companies when it comes to the world that i operate in employer branding recruitment marketing they do want to take the blue pill they know it's important but what they do is they basically say okay you know we're just going to do the stock photos and we're going to do the jazz hand photo of everyone in the same t-shirt and say all right well now you know what it's like to work here i don't want to work with those companies the companies i work with want to be different they want to wake up they want to be genuine to who they are and be honest about, you know, their position in the market and what they can offer people as a potential employer. So I've been working with multinationals as big as Cisco yep. and small startups that are four people and everywhere in between across all different industries from life sciences to, to manufacturing to software, you name it. I've been working with them and uh, all over the world. So I, what I, what I want to say for the listeners is the, the number one reason besides getting caught up with you, why I wanted you as a guest, because I pride myself on teaching small business owners who may or may not have marketing in their blood, um, how to really connect deeply with their dream client, like teach them ways to pick up their voice and get in front of them on certain platforms. You know, I always say you don't have to be everywhere, but where you are, you need to be authentic. And so I love that about you. But what I also want to point out is that you teach your clients, your people that you work with, your companies and corporations, how to speak to their dream hires. Like, this is very different. If you guys are listening and your ears are perking up, it's because speaking to customers, clients, the past, present, and future is very different than speaking to the people, the, the future of your business, your employees, the people that will work, sweat, They will cry for you. They will labor for you. The people that you want, and I hate to use this term, I'm going to use it. You want to drink your Kool-Aid. You want them to be your brand advocates, but they're also going to become your employees. So, I mean, I look at you, Ed, and I say, like, you're going to change the way, or you are changing the way people are hiring the future of their company. I mean, does that sound right? It is. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny, but, you know, I would argue it's the most important thing that you have. The most yeah. important part of your business is the people working for you. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, you know, you can't underestimate the importance of it. What I find is, though, is that the world has changed and why this is becoming more vital to a lot of organizations, you know, big and small around the world, is because they see that at the end of the day, you know, um, 
what's driving your business is not only your people, but the culture they do it in. Yes. And it's also something where if you think about services and products in general, any competitor is probably somewhat similar to the business that you have. Yeah, there's differences and there's little idiosyncrasies or price points or whatever they may be. But ultimately, people buy from people. Yeah. And even to the business side of things, acting as a brand ambassador, bringing that genuineness, that, that special sauce that is you can oftentimes not just be the, the difference between bringing a great employee to you, but getting that business over your competitor. Again, right. thinking about, you know, uh, you know, a great car commercial, right? If I see Matthew McConaughey driving a, a Buick or whatever those ads are, and mm-hmm. then I get an ad in the mail and the same thing, and I see this beautiful glossy brochure of the car that Matthew McConaughey is driving, gets me to the lot, and I get to the lot, and I deal with crappy employees, crappy service, and a crappy salesperson. I don't care how much I was interested in the car. I guarantee you I'm not buying it, and you're not buying it. Same right, thing. right, right. I always um, I have my story of the pen where I, where I talk about, like, the value of the pen. And, and you and I could be selling the exact same pen, and you and I are on the stage, and everyone's engaged in both of us. But if someone likes you better than me, even if my pen is cheaper – Guess what? They're going to go with your pen, Ed. No doubt. No every doubt. Single time. I love that. I love that. Okay. So tell me a little bit about, I mean, you weren't really in the marketing sphere per se because you were in HR. So tell yeah. me what it was like to be able to be given opportunity to, like you said, like grow their business for, in, by 400 employees in two years. That's insane. Yeah. So, you know, the, it's, it was a transition that I felt came easy for me, but not for most because I've always felt I was a creative person, right. um, you know, by nature. But what I found is that it's changed now in the last four or five years because it's become an actual role in a lot of companies around the country now or around yeah. the world. But marketing departments in general are always a little leery of this and what it would do to their brand because, when it comes to an effective employer brand versus a product or you know a consumer brand is that you really have to stand out and be genuine and do something that's going to a entertain b yeah. people's attention and c provide your value difference you know something that's going to say why here versus elsewhere the world of you know not just consumers but employees have changed or potential candidates think about it yep. you know 10 years ago it was a very employer-driven market. You know, there's, there's a conversation in my space that we hear all the time called the war for talent. Well, it's over and, and employers got their asses kicked. Right. Because now there's more information, not just options for jobs, but more information on what it's like to work at a company than there ever was before. You know, mm-hmm. in the world of restaurants, you have Yelp. In our world, it's Glassdoor. You know, right. sites like Indeed. You know, all these places, there's so much information and, and social media has changed the game too because when a candidate is looking at a company, they're not just going to LinkedIn or their career site anymore. They're doing a whole journey. And what they see, all those little Hansel and Gretel crumbs, as I like to call them, that leads them to where you want them to go has to be A, lined up, you know, B, consistent, and C, something that's going to set you apart from the pack. Right. Right. And I feel like teaching business owners how to entice them and leave those breadcrumbs must be so different from just what the traditional HR or human resources is like even able to or capable of doing. So tell me how, how do you go into a corporation, big or small, you know, four people, new, new um, startup to establish like 
Kronos, for example. Talk yep. about that. So one, my process is really simple. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of companies, you know, the larger agencies in the world of employer branding will go and they'll do market surveys where they'll go out and do, you know, sample surveys across the globe and different demographics. I take a very inward out approach, meaning I ask them, you know, if it's a company like Cisco to a small startup, I say, give me the 15 to 100 or how many people, depending on the size, best employees you've got. Yes. So you talk to their employees? Oh, yeah. And I say, and I say, all right, give me the people I like to say that you would clone if you could. And and I say, not just, you know, your best salespeople, but I want people from all different parts of the organization. Yep. I want as much diversity in that group as possible and not just ethnicity and backgrounds, but tenure. I want people who just joined to people who've been there 10 years. Yeah. And I kick all this, and I don't do surveys. I'm not a big fan of surveys. I believe in conversation. And yeah. so I have someone with me taking notes, and I go in and I have a literally two hour, sometimes three hour conversation with a list of questions I'm asking to a group of people in a very informal setting with no HR, no leadership in the room. I kick all the quote unquote scary people out. Mm-hmm. And I take all names off of it. I guarantee their anonymity. And we have a really frank conversation from everything from the basics, like why'd you join to why did you stay to what social channels are you on? How active are you on those channels? Do you like cat videos? You get it. Right. Like I'm going down the thing and I'm going through everything to build out an right. ideal persona. Because if these are the people that you would clone if you could, well, then we want to target people like them and what care what they care about, what their interests are, where, where they might be online, where they may be physically, mm-hmm. all of these things. And then I go take that data, I put it in a nice form, and I use word cloud software to kind of bring the themes and words mm-hmm. that keep popping up more and more to build a persona. But then we sprinkle in a little bit of the aspirational. We say, all right, well, that's who your best are today. But what do you see two years from now? Are you going to be the same size company? Are you going to be a different culture? What do you want to be then? Right. And we start to then create a persona that starts to build the map of what we want to do. And then from there, I strategize with them and we build a literal roadmap where we start to say everything from, you know, where do we want to be online? What is our content going to be? What's our video strategy? PR, you know, and a big part of it is getting the employees to act as brand ambassadors themselves. Right. Their networks statistically are far bigger on average than the companies they work for. Right. So it's, it's taking those things, amplifying everybody and getting a plan in place that they can execute on. And then from, you know, a pure perspective of how to differentiate yourself, you know, Deb, I think you might have seen or we talked about, but I've been studying what, I hate the term, but what goes viral for the yeah. past five, six years, and not just in the world I operate in, just in general. And there's a pattern. It goes back to those iconic drama masks, you know, happy or sad. It's, it's what I call humor or heart. Yeah. If it's not funny or if it doesn't have emotion to it, some sort of emotional stakes, nobody gives a crap. Right. And the key is to pick your path and own it and be different and be unique and understand that if you're doing the right kind of branding, some people are going to hate it. Well, guess what? They are not the people you want to work with and they're not the people you want to have buying your product because they're not bought into you. That's okay. But a lot of marketers, you know, back to your original question, have a hard time with that because they're brought up differently. They want to be broad. They want to reach the biggest audience and get the biggest bang and I argue the best brands are the ones that speak to a smaller audience, but gain that loyalty and that oh excitement. 
I'm literally like, I wish, I wish everybody could see me. I am like doing like the praise, praise emoji. <laughs> because you said, pick your path and own it. Like you don't have to be everybody's whatever, quote unquote thing. Like you, mm -hmm. you don't have to be, but you're right. Like go after the smaller, more targeted people, employees, because hiring just anyone does nothing for your brand. Just yeah. When I say, when you try to talk to everyone, you're actually talking to no one. Instead, talk to that one person, that person that's going to come on board for your team or be your dream client or customer. And they're going to be the ones that help you raise your business to the next level because of the advocacy piece, I think. And when you can really hire people that love what you do so much so that they would probably do it for free. They would work for you for free. Like it's almost like that kind of um, mind, like mindset is that like they love it so much. They would actually do it for free, but they don't have to because you're going to pay them. Um, you know, I, I can see you on the stage going through this and people like people's chins dropping and them nodding their heads going, yeah, why am I so afraid to wave, wave my flag and be everything I want to be? What am I afraid of? Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny, you know, you think about online, what you see anywhere you go now, whether it's on a business forum like LinkedIn or on Facebook or wherever, it's a sea of basically, look at me, look at me, look at me, yeah. right? And yeah. everyone's got their, their own agenda. You know, at the end of the day, though, like, if you go back to the actual, you know, instincts that drive us is, is that... Is it funny? <laughs> Does it entertain me? Or is there something that's inspiring some sort of emotion in me? Yeah. And, and when you do that and you own it and you do it in a way that is so significantly unique to you, you might not get, you know, a thousand likes, but you're going to get a much more better engagement rate than yeah. the people who are doing the other. And I'd yeah. much rather have that engagement than the, than the views. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Actually, you, you're bringing me right to my next question for you. Ed, if you only could use one social platform for the next two years to reach your dream client, which social platform would you pick? So I bet it's going to be different than what your audience is because of the world I operate in, but I would That's say okay. LinkedIn. I would yeah. say LinkedIn. Um, for me, Facebook is my least favorite platform by, I hate it with the power of 10,000 sons. I do. Yeah. Because it's become people's uh, pulpits, yeah. right? And their personal, you know, beyond kids, which I love. It's it's now like my own social justice, you know, forum. And, <laughs> and I don't have anything against people being passionate about things like that. I just don't want to see it personally in my feed. Yeah. yeah. So I've been muting people constantly and I'm just tired of doing that now. Yeah. So I'm very rarely on it. Um, I love <laughs> Instagram. Personally, yeah. I think it's a great platform and a great way for companies to really start to differentiate themselves, especially if you're going after specific demographics yeah. or specific, you know, kind of people. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, I think LinkedIn, you know, with now being bought by Microsoft, the, there's a big investment. I do a lot of work with them. I write for them. So I'm very familiar with what's going on with them mm -hmm. and I get their conferences every year. Um, they're really making an investment and making it, you know, much more than what people genuinely consider it on the whole, which is a place to get a job and yeah. a place to network. And it, it's become much more than that. And I think the companies that are really starting to see, you know, significant traction are using it in a way that traditionally it hasn't been. And I think there's so much that hasn't been 
tapped into there? So it's, um, the, I asked you that reason, I asked you that question for a reason, um, because, and primarily because I probably was, I was certain that you were going to say LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I have conversations with clients either in coaching groups or online, and I always hear that they don't put enough effort into LinkedIn and yet they have a bigger following or they know that they're people that they should be networking with is, um, are over on LinkedIn. And like it, I feel like they're chasing, um, they're chasing like clients on Facebook. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to market your biz really well on Facebook. I'll tell you right now, a yeah. lot of work. you've got a, it is legit pay to play. If you want to be seen by your dream client. Instagram is a lot easier because you don't have to come up with full-blown uh, content, right? It could be simple. It could be a couple lines. It could be some emojis. Like people expect that on Instagram and you can really create conversation in the stories. But with LinkedIn, I feel like it's dropping to the bottom of the list for people that I'm working with because they're chasing clients instead of collaborating with people in their industry or finding groups that they can meet up with. Tell me a little bit about how you how you recommend or how is that you could share to recommend that people get a little more involved in LinkedIn because it's, you're right. It's not just a place to get a job anymore. Right. So I'm going to put it to a very simple analogy here that Good. you kind of, you kind of touched on it, but if someone came to your door, a door to door salesman, which I can't believe still exists today, but it does. Yeah. Right? And they came to your door and you saw them outside the door with their little clipboard in their hand and you had the lights out in the house, are you answering it? No. No one in their right mind is. So on LinkedIn, <laughs> if you come on there saying buy from me and have agenda-driven content, agenda-driven conversation, same thing. You're just doing it online, you know? Yeah. And so, yes, it's LinkedIn, and it's much more business-focused than a lot of the other social networks, but the same rules apply. Yeah. The best thing you can do is be part of conversations and position yourself in a way that you want to be perceived that will lead them to want to talk to you further to understand maybe what you're offering or what the services are. Yeah. You know, again, if I was at a party and I went up to you, Deb, and I didn't know you and I said, hey, Deb, I'm doing this thing. You need to buy this for me. This is the best thing ever. Once now, you know, sale now, 50% discount, all these things, you'd walk away. Maybe even throw a drink in my face. Right? <laughs> I love that. I use that metaphor all the time. That's my analogy is like you go like social media is a noisy coffee like a noisy cocktail party not that we go to cocktail parties but if you were to and I knew I wanted to talk to Ed Nathanson like I would go all the way through the noise to find him but if he's just going to talk about his business I'm going to turn around and go all the way back out the door right so I exactly and so social, like yeah I say so here's an example when I talk to friends for you know and they they come to me for advice when they're starting to look for a job I say the worst thing you could do is say, I'm looking, mm -hmm. A, because of the, 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 and it's the same thing with buyers, is we want what we can't have. Yeah. Okay. The more available you are, the less attractive you become. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, I say is start to be part of the conversation around topics that you want to be thought of associated with. Yeah. So if it was a, an engineer, I'd have them, you know, start talking in conversations that are happening about the latest programming language or whatever it is. Yeah. Or maybe share some articles from their RSS feed about the latest trends in tech or anything. Yep. The more people start to associate with you these topics, the more conversations start to happen organically. 
So yeah. again, if you're on there and on LinkedIn, and I understand if you're frustrated because you're on there and you're just marketing your business constantly, well, it's noise. You're part of the noise. Yes. Come at it with, you know, something that A, people would care about that doesn't feel like it's me, me, me. You're going to perform a lot better. And if you're consistent with the messaging around the topics and the, and the areas you want to be associated with, then people will start to look at you as a subject matter expert and find you that way. Right. That's actually um, the same exact advice that I give for people marketing their business. So if you're looking for a job, if you're looking to hire people for your business, or you're looking to attract more of your dream clients or customers, you need to create conversation. And I mean, I tell, this is really the best way to say it. Social media marketing, marketing anywhere is a two-way conversation. And, um, you know, if you, if you think that you're just going to be like speaking all the time about your business, like that's really the hardest part in my opinion is getting people to pay attention when you're talking about your business. So instead ask people if they're a morning person or an afternoon person, ask people if they like coffee or tea. And of course I'm using these as very simple examples. Ask people if they um, prefer the mountains or the ocean for vacation, because you know what, when you make it easy for people to respond, they do. When you make it, Yep. Right. And it's like, think of what you would talk about at that cocktail party. Like, where'd you go on your vacation? What did you do there? Same exact thing. The, the, the piece that's hard for people. And I think this might be what you sometimes face in recruiting is it's things have changed because of technology and old school or people that have been doing human resources or recruiting for a long time are like, well, people are looking differently. Well, here's the thing. These devices, computers, smartphones, all of these platforms that we now have, people are saying that they're an obstacle. I see them as an opportunity. So tell me, Ed, when you, when you reach a, a person in, an, in a company that you've been hired to work with and they're resistant to trying some of the things that you're talking about of building relationships and getting the employee, employer branding and getting that conversation, what's some advice that you give to people who are resistant with technology and using technology to grow their business or hire the right people? Right. I'm a big numbers person at that point, Deb. I come back yeah. to them and I give them data. So there's a lot that's free on a lot of these platforms that you sure, can yeah. find. And if you yeah. do have company pages, you can see, you know, like one of the things I always, I go to is, is that, most companies have a free glass door page if they're not using the paid service. Yeah. And you can go in there and you can see in the data how many people are actually coming there every month. Right. You know, and when they say, well, why do we have to care about it? I show them. I'm like, well, because you had 3,000 people visit your page this past month. Yeah. 3,000. Yeah. Right? And, and so that, then they're like, well, oh, okay. And then I take the persona data, for example, and I come back and I say, well, the people that you I'd said are your best employees, they're going to Facebook three times a week on average. Why right. are they here? You know, right. they're on LinkedIn. You know, they say LinkedIn is their place where they go for their news every morning. Why aren't we there? Right. right? It's taking all of those things. And the other thing I say is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, do you want to be everybody else? Do you want to be considered old school? You have to come and adapt with the times. Yeah. Part of that is being where your audience is, you know, whether we like it or not. And, you know, in our age, you know, I remember a time when we actually talked to people and, mm -hmm. and didn't look at our phones at dinner, but the world right. has changed, you know, whether we like it or not. 
And you have to be where your audience is. And if your audience is there, you've got to be there and you've got to be there in a meaningful way. And, and the one thing I just want to make sure your audience gets is that do not underestimate the power of entertainment. Okay. Mm -hmm. People want to be entertained, right? And entertain doesn't mean make me laugh or do a dance or whatever it is. What, what they're stopping and clicking on. And again, I've looked at data for years on all the yeah. platforms the stuff that the articles they click on, the videos they click on, the, the posts that they click are all either funny or have emotional stakes to them. The stuff where your press releases or your, you know, your boring, you know, you know, uh, interview in front of a wall with the cheesy music. In front, nobody gives a crap. Right. Nobody. Right, nobody. Right. And so the key is, is to, is to, to give your audience something that they'd actually care about clicking on, but at the same time, driving the brand and not in a, in a, in a hammer way, but in a, in a chisel. Right. Right. So I love that because I think that's the, the numbers game is important when you can say that, like, look at the data, look at the traffic, you know, and I always do that exercise with clients too, is like, we, of course we've identified who your dream client is, but have we sat down and talked about when they're online? Because if you're putting social posts out at certain times of the day during the week or year, and they're busy because let's say they're soccer moms and it's Saturday morning and they're all at the soccer field, don't put something valuable out when they're busy. You've got exactly. to behavior, right? And the employee behavior, the client behavior, audience behavior is important. And then the other thing I say is learn from what you've done. Right. So, take, you know, look at what the best performing posts that you are, you know, learn from them. Look at the worst ones are learn. Don't do that anymore. Right. Do more of the good stuff. Right. Right. See what your audience is attracted to and then keep doing it. Learn from it. You know, and then, you know, the other thing, Deb, I just want to make sure your audience understands is that if you don't take a chance and be a little bit bolder, you, why even play the game? And, and right. I mean that sincerely because, you know, here's a great example. Back to the old Rapid7 company when I first got into the marketing side of things. When I was there, there were 100 people were in the Prudential Tower. It was a bunch of young, you know, boys and girls, I would say, because they're just out of college. You know, you would hear Ice Cube playing in the lobby, literally. People <laughs> hugging footballs, you know, big geeky culture, big pop culture, very young, vibrant, energetic. And so what we did is we decided to make these because we need to hire and get seen. We made a series of videos called Rapid 7 at the Movies that were based on the core values, things like passion or, or you know, integrity or all these things. But we did movie spoofs, parodies for each of these. So, for example, one of the most popular ones was we did a flash dance parody for passion. And we had one of our best dancers in the office, a guy, wear the flash dance wig, dancing around the office, right? And people reacting to him and someone throwing water on him in the end, like in the movie. Right. And you know, a lot of people probably looked at that and said, what the heck is this crap? And ran for the hills, right? Yeah. A lot of people loved it. It won, it was nominated for video of the year by Mass Tech Leadership Council. Yeah, it, it was. So much visibility. And we had candidates coming in asking for, where's the flash dance guy, right? <laughs> so the people who saw that and liked it, they became even more than just tire kickers. They became interested. Right. More. And so, you know, again, uh, if I had decided, if I went to my prior employer to Rapid7 and said, I want to do this, they would have said, you're fired. Right. But you know what? You know, you, no one who doesn't take chances in anything does anything meaningful. You've right. got to understand that some of your stuff people will hate. 
But if you're being genuine to who you are, you don't want those people anyways. Right. You don't. You don't. And that's, I think that's the other thing. That at the end of the day, you got to be okay that you're not everybody's person or business. Yeah. 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 I mean, Deb, so an example I always talk to when I talk to broader audiences who don't quite understand what we're talking about that's native to us. Yeah. Is I use the car example. So I've never been a car guy. But recently, I started to say, you know what, the past couple of years, I said, I want to get a nice car for once. And I've changed my mind since. But at the time, I was looking at, do I get a, a low-class Mercedes or a BMW or an Audi? All right. So I went, I, as a marketing guy now by brain, by how I'm wired, I tried to go and clean in the experience and kind of learn from it. So first, yeah. I went to Mercedes. And if you're driving a Mercedes, I apologize, but sorry, but not sorry. To me, it felt like an old person car. And while okay. I'm getting to be an old person you know, I'm not quite there yet. And it felt also a little gaudy for me. And then I looked at the marketing and that's exactly what they wanted to say. Yes. Right? You know, they, and then I looked at, for, I looked at they, yeah, yeah. They, they conveyed exactly how they wanted you to feel. Yep. And then BMW, I went there and I felt I was a little too old for BMW, believe it or not. I also felt it was also very gaudy and mm -hmm. the same thing. And then I looked at the marketing, same thing, same mm -hmm. messaging. Then I went to Audi and Audi felt like me, the, the suburban dad right? Yeah. Audi felt, you know, yeah, it's a nice car, but you're not flashing it in people's faces like maybe some of the others, right? Right, right. And then I went with the Audi because that's, I was the person they were targeting, right? Yeah. And so, like, I look at it and it's a very easy way we can all relate to whatever we do, whether you wear Polo or Abercrombie and Fitch, there's something about what they're putting out there that is attracting to you. Yes, yes, I love that. Actually, that's a great, great place for us to start to wrap this conversation up because I'm afraid we probably could uh, talk. Okay. We time. could. Um, so I've, I've loved talking with you. I do want you to give my audience one, like your top marketing tip or piece of wisdom, um, share your, your best tip for reaching their dream hires online. Yeah. So what I would say is study who you are, and don't let your leadership dictate that. Let your employees tell you what you are because yeah. their experience is the reality of it. And then take that, what you learn from that, and build a strategy on keep hammering those points. But again, in a way that's not agenda driven, think of humor and heart. Think about, I cannot stress that enough. And, and from a content perspective, if it's not funny or if it doesn't have some emotion, and that could be outrage, it could be sadness, it could be happiness, whatever those things are, if you don't have those stakes in your content, it's that don't even do it. Because yeah. I can show you data upon data will show you that the stuff people respond to are just the opposite. They're things that people have emotion that are funny, all these things. So pick your path, own it, understand who you are, own it. And then go with it. And don't worry. There's always going to be haters. If someone can, you know, if I could write an article tomorrow on how to solve, you know, world hunger, there'd be someone on the internet who said, what an asshole. That's just right. the nature of the world. Understand there will be haters, but those are going to be the minority. And you're going to push away the people you don't want. And you're going to actually attract the people you do. Right, right. I, I always say, like, if you do, if you stop doing the things that don't fill you up, it opens up space for the things that do. And the same thing goes for your audience. When you don't worry about the people that aren't engaging with you, and you don't worry about the people that are unfollowing your page, they're opening up a space for someone who does deserve to be there and does deserve to hear your message and your voice. 
All right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Preach, Amen. man. Preach. Right. <laughs> what is, what's happening in your biz and where can we find and learn more about Red Pill Talent? Yep. So I have a website, redpilltalent.com. You can also find me, Ed Nathanson, on LinkedIn, at Ed Chose the Red Pill on Instagram, at Ed Nathanson on Twitter, uh, as well as a Red Pill account on LinkedIn as well. But also, there's lots of videos. Uh, I have yet to put them all on a channel because LinkedIn owns a bunch of them, and I can't take the videos that they own. But if yeah. you want, you can search me on YouTube as well as under Ed Nathanson. You'll see a lot of my talks from uh, around the world, from Vegas to Sydney to you name it. Yeah, and you're off to Israel, which is- Off to Israel this week with a client. That's amazing. So I will definitely drop all the links that Ed mentioned below. I highly recommend that you catch some of his talks especially for LinkedIn. I've seen them. He is, talk about an entertainer. I've always known he's amazing on stage, but I'm even more inspired now because he's teaching me how to talk to people who I want to work with me. Because if I can attract the right people to work with me, that just grows my business because then we're able to help more people market their biz better. So Ed, from my heart to your heart, I love it because it's either humor or heart, right? Yep. All right. Thanks for being on the Market Your Biz Better podcast, and I'll see you soon. Thanks, Deb. Thank you. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Market Your Biz Better podcast. I absolutely love connecting you to the people who help me market my biz better. I know there are tons of podcasts that you can listen to, so I'm pretty excited that you've chosen to listen to mine. Now, I want you to hop on over to the show notes, use all those links that we dropped over there for you that we mentioned in this episode, and I will see you next time. Now, go market your biz better.